The Teach Middle East podcast is brought to you by Schoolfinder.ae. Schoolfinder.ae is a comprehensive schools directory serving the United Arab Emirates. Is your school a member? Go to Schoolfinder.ae to find out more. Now, enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Behind the Principal's Desk, a series here on the Teach Middle East podcast. My name is Lisa Grace, and today I have with me Nargish Lambada. See, I knew I was going to do that, and I'm not going to edit this out. It's Nargish Kambada, Principal of GEMS Modern Academy in Dubai. It is my pleasure to have her here because we are going to be going behind her desk to learn more about her. What makes her tick? Who is she? Who is this wonderful lady that I hear so much about? Thank you for joining me on this podcast, Nargish. My pleasure, Lisa, and I'm I'm really pleased to be here. I mean, it's um, I, I've seen you on on LinkedIn, and I've seen shout outs to you. So here, yeah, person, happy to be. Here. Thank you so much. Um, I love chatting to principals. You know, it's it's so refreshing, especially doing this series because I have learned so much about the people who are running the schools, and I think sometimes when parents are looking for schools or when even teachers are looking to join schools, they never get a chance to ask these questions. So they never get to learn about who are these people? What do they like? What don't they like? So let's kick off. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? How did you end up in Dubai? So before that, I often get this whenever I have parents coming to my office for the first time and they say, you know, um, Mrs. Kamara, um, I used to dread going into the principal's office when I was in school, and I'm I'm getting that feeling right now. Uh, and I smile, and they say, "Am I am I in trouble?" <laughs> and I say, uh, "The principal's office is not like it used to be 15, 20 years ago. Uh, it's a more open door policy. It's a it's a so much warmer and and friendlier conversation. Not because." Anything has changed, but I think because um, that's what the 21st century um, student demands and and that's what we apply to. So back to your question, Lisa, where am I from? How did I land up in Dubai? I come actually from a very small cantonment uh, called Devlali in uh, Maharashtra in India. And I was privileged to grow up in a school where they gave equal importance to extracurricular. Uh, I remember getting on my cycle at 5.30 in the morning and cycling up. So we were called the school on the hill, the Barnes High School, Devlali, uh, started by the East India Company um, in 1800 and something. Um, and cycling all the way up on that hill because I used to go for hockey practice or whatever, gymnastics or whatever practice I was going for in the morning. So uh, along with academics, there was a lot of uh, focus on extracurricular. And I come from a large family with nine brothers and sisters. I'm number eight. And we all went to the same school. So... Yeah, it was. That's where I grew up. How did I come to Dubai? Um, so I uh, actually loved where I grew up. I loved the neighborhood. I loved my friends. I loved just the home I grew up in. Um, as a young girl, I never wanted to leave Devlali. I thought I'm going to grow old, and and this is where I'm going to be all my life. And then I met my husband, and um, I um, I think that was the time when. I, Everything was so different and so new, and so so it happened so quickly. And uh, when we moved, I was I was lecturing in a in a 
college in the Sophia College in Mumbai. Um, I was lecturing, micro, teaching microbiology. And uh, when I came here to Dubai, uh, my husband moved here first and uh, he came to earn the petrodollars. We thought we'd stay here for two years, maximum five, um, but stayed on. It's been a journey. Um, started at the Arab Unity School here as a biology teacher. Uh, because the universities here required a PhD, and I didn't have a PhD at that time. And um, and so we've been in and out, been in Dubai, uh, started off in 1987 when Dubai was growing, and um, and moved out after seven years, uh, went to Oman, came back to Dubai, went to India at the Dune School, Dehradun, for six years, and then came back to Dubai. So been around. What is your secret to looking so young? You just said to me you came here with your husband in 1987. As a young bride. I'm just thinking, 1987. I was born. Come on, come on. (laughs) Don't, Don't do that. I was born, but I was very young. I don't, I don't, I wasn't in secondary school yet. Oh my, come on, talk, talk to me about skin routine. What What are we doing every morning to keep so fresh? Um, no, I, I'm, I'm bad with makeup and skin routines. I have to be honest here. So it's just usually the, the L'Oreal cream. Uh, that's it. And a spot of lipstick, nothing more. Really? You look amazing. Yeah. Tell me about diet then. What are, what are we having that's keeping, keeping you looking so lush? No, so I, th- I think it's it's just the joy and the love for what I do. I, I think that's what helps me. Um, I do yoga. That's that's a different thing every morning. Uh, 15 minutes of yoga, that's it. Um, I do a headstand every morning, if that surprises you. Yeah, wow. I used to be in school. But I think uh, just, I think this, the, I found my ikigai. It's taken me a little while to do it, but I found my ikigai. And I think every morning I come with a sense of purpose and that energy of purpose. Um, and when I come to school, I think um, I think it's my responsibility to make sure that, you know, everyone's happy, everyone's doing what they're meant to do, whatever it is. Uh, and I so love my job. I don't see it as a job. I I've, I feel I'm blessed. I get paid to do what I love and that's it. That's amazing. I wonder as well, when you talked about Ikigai, if you could just expand a little bit more about how you came to realizing that what you're doing as a school leader is indeed your Ikigai. So I um, I actually never wanted or dreamt of being in school leadership at all. Um, and I, I was very happy being a biology teacher and environment teacher. And um, I just love challenging my students, listening to their dreams, you know, working with them, whichever school I was in. Um, and then, of course, at the Dune School, they they recognized something in me and put me on the spot, gave me a really, really big job to do, did it well, and that's, and that's how I came here. But I think... Uh, so I, I also worked in a, in a in an organization which had nothing to do with education, and that was a short term when I was expecting my my uh, baby, and uh, I still remember that the general manager um, met me and said, um, "Nargis, the day you stabilize and remain in one place, because I was you know because the job was such a my husband's job was such we were moving around, he said the day you stabilize you will grow." And um, I never took his word seriously. I said, okay. I mean, I just, I was just enjoying life, you know, helping my child grow and, you know, being a full-time mom and doing something on the side while he was at nursery. And um, and I think 
the longer I stayed at a place, the more I I felt um, connected with the purpose of what I was doing and realized that I am having an impact on lives. Uh, it started out by being young lives, by children, by you know teachers around me. And of course, when you're in a, in a leadership capacity as principal of a school or a senior vice president, which I am at, the, at this point, serving five schools within the GEMS uh, network, uh, I think when you see the positive impact you're able to have, what you're able to enable, I think that makes such a difference. And uh, so somebody asked me the other day, you don't have a problem sleeping? And I said, no, the moment my head hits the pillow, I'm, I'm off like a light. And I wake up in the morning when it's time to get up. So yeah, that's, I think I've sent, found my sense of purpose in being able to, being an enabler for others and seeing the positive impact I can have. Yeah, And I love that. Amazing. How many kids do you have? You, I have a son who's uh, 33 and a daughter who's 30. Son's in Canada and my daughter's here in Dubai with me. So as a mom, how do you ensure, like, even when you were raising them, how did you ensure that you gave them as much of you as you could while still working on your career? How did you balance that? You know, it's strange you say that. And um, I'm going to try and find an email I sent to. So every every Saturday I, I write um, uh, an email to my staff and I've been doing that for the last, I think, eight years now. Um, and now I've moved on from writing to all staff to the leadership team. And and that's one of the things that I um, I addressed with them. And I'll try and I'll try and email it to you. But this is exactly what I said, you know, in its time, in its place. And um, and and I as a mom, it was very clear that I wanted to give. So I, I nursed my children. I breastfed my children for one year, both of them. Um, I felt it's important to do that. And and that that was what I felt. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but I felt that was the right thing to do. And, I, and that's what I did. It gave me really good quality time with the kids. Um, wherever I was, wherever they were studying, I was a teacher in that school. And they went with me in the car and they came with me in the car and we talked about their day in school and... Um, uh, you know, the dreams and aspirations and competitions and, and all of that, uh, holidays, and we planned holidays together. So I think um, the difficult bit was when we were traveling so much in the UAE. I mean, I'm sorry, not in the, we were traveling around. My husband's job took him to Saudi and a few other places. And I said, enough is enough. We, we need stability. So um, I told my husband, I said, you know, I'm going to go back to India to the Dune School, which is the Eton of the East, considered the Eton of the East. And I said, I'm going to teach there and the kids will be with me and you can come down twice a year and I'll come down twice a year. That'll be good for the marriage as well. And we'll, you know, the kids will be happy and, and we'll be in one place. Um, and being in a new place, it was difficult for me because it was absolutely a new place, a new culture, a new um, everything. Uh, for the children, it took some time for them to adjust as well. But I thought those were the best years of our lives because it gave us such quality time. It was a boarding school. The children lived with me on campus. They had so many things to do. Um, I've forgotten your question, actually. Yeah, I was asking how you managed to do the career piece and the mothering piece, but you are answering. You're answering it because within your role as a teacher, you kept them with you. So I think it was a little bit different. It's a little bit different for you than maybe say someone who works in the corporate sector or works in hospitality, etc. I think your career lends itself a little bit easier to being more present as a mom. 
Uh, yes, it does. And and like I, I wrote in that email to my staff, I said, you know, in its time, in its place, I said, some of us have the pulls and tugs of looking after our parents or our aging parents or our in-laws. And it's a privilege to do that. And if there's no house help, then, you know, you need to focus on that. If, if when your kids are growing up, if you've got a supportive spouse and you've got help at home and you've got someone to take care of the kids, then by all means, be ambitious and focus on your career. Otherwise, there'll be such a pull and tug and you'll be neither happy here nor there. Um, so, and, and you're always going to feel shortchanged. And, you know, so so I think it's good to be ambitious, but also to have the time and space um, to enable that ambition. And if you don't have it, then to manage your expectations and to slow it down. Because I think it's not a race. Leadership is to get to a leadership position is really not a race. And if you're getting there too early at the cost and, you know, you're sacrificing so many other things, including relationships, um, oh. is it worth it is, is the question asked. Yeah, no, it, it's a good question to ask. And when it comes on to taking care of yourself, you mentioned yoga. Um, you do 15 minutes of yoga in the morning. What else do you do to really make sure that Nargis is okay? So I, I think um, I think I've been blessed with a good disposition in terms of I don't get angry easily. I uh, I'm pretty calm. Um, I'm happy. Um, it doesn't take much to make me happy. I I don't take this the lift in school. I only use the stairs wherever I go, and I, and I try to have walking meetings. So I think the physical, emotional, spiritual aspect, if that's taken care of. So physically, um, I watch what I eat. Even staff lunch in school is mainly salads with, um, you know, a lentil and, and some rice on the side um, for all staff in the school. Uh, so we try and get these healthy habits in. Um, like I said, use the lift, have walking meetings. We, we're a large campus. You must come, Lisa, and and spend some time with us. Uh, we'd love to show you around and walk around with you. But um, so I think that's um, on the physical side, that's what keeps me going. I'm not a gym person, uh, but I like walks and I like my my time alone, uh, you know, reflecting as I walk. And I think some of my best ideas come when I go for long walks um, and I stay with the thought for a while. And I think that's that's really me time for me. I love going to the beach. Um, so on a weekend when my husband sees me going to the beach, he says, um, I know you need some time to yourself. So um, I think that's that's for me the best time when I'm uh, when I leave early in the morning, go to the beach and and just sit down there and you know enjoy the calm. Um, spiritually, uh, you know, I light a lamp every day. Uh, I do pray, um, and um, I'm not overly. So what's the word I'm looking? I'm not overly religious. I'm not high on you know rituals. No, I'm not. But I light a lamp. And like the energy of the flame. Um, so, yeah, and emotionally, I, I try to. Um, so as a kid, I used to be a little anxious at times, rarely. But I know what anxiety feels like. So when I see children having a meltdown or when they're being anxious, I know the feeling. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I haven't cracked it yet, but I keep trying to figure out what did I do to keep it in check? I still haven't found the answer. Um, but I think when children, when you talk to children and they understand that adults also have anxious moments and it's not part of life. Um, I think they're able to handle their, their emotions a little better. But emotional regulation, I think, is an executive function. And uh, I used to be impetuous. I used to be impulsive. Um, but I think I'm long past that. 
Um, and I think it's taken me a little time, but uh, but I'm in a happy place. I like that. So I know you you just talked about being a very calm person by nature, but what makes you angry? What in the world? What situations? What do you see around you that actually makes you angry? So I think um, I'll talk about the school later, but I think injustice is something that I've always felt upset about. Um, it angers me to see injustice on a, in any form. Uh, and and if you want to bait me, demonstrate injustice. I always say this to my team. Uh, and when I see it in action, I, I can't help but respond and you know want to correct it when, when I see it. Um, but for the children, I get not angry, but I feel society has forced people to be overly competitive. And I think, uh, you know, when children are robbed of their childhood uh, by the overcompetitiveness of the environment, then I think that's a sad thing. And um, I, I think as far as the world goes today, uh, all of us are, we're almost on a, on a hamster wheel. And uh, everybody's rushing and hurtling and trying to get everything crammed in. Um, so I think that's sometimes why are we not able to take a step back and breathe and relax and just enjoy life. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you with that. And and if you were to work on a cause, so let's say you are no longer a school leader, and you're into philanthropy, or you're into charity work, what would your cause be and why? So I think it would be for the elderly in society. Mm -hmm. And um, I think they sometimes get neglected, because of the fast pace at which society keeps itself running. Uh, and I do think the elderly, and I think there's a place for children and adults mingling. You know, there is an, uh, there is an educator called Sugata Mitra. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yes. You have, yes. So he's, he's quite an amazing educator. And he started Grannies in the Cloud because he said that there's so much of wisdom in our grandparents. And he said, at some point, you know, they just, society tends to marginalize them. And he said, why don't we draw on, and there are so many children, there are orphans, there are neglected children, you know, why don't we combine the wisdom of the grannies and those who need it um, and get something magical out of it? And so he started a, a program called Grannies in the Cloud, where children can reach out to, you know, uh, grandparents who volunteer their time. I thought that's so beautiful. And I think, um, if I were to have the dream retired life, I'd love to be in a community where I'm bringing the elderly in, drawing them in and, and getting children in and just reconnecting the two extremes of generations that we have. Amazing. I actually like that. I, see, this is why we have these conversations, because I would have never thought that that would be your answer. I thought maybe you would have said, oh, I would do a program for kids and, and talk to them about, I don't know, the environment or leadership or something. But to bring the elderly into society and to embrace them and to garner from them the wisdom that they would have gained over the years is pretty special. Um, I wanted to kind of go a little bit whimsical with you. So if you were to plan a dinner date with your husband, where would you go? What kind of cuisine would you have? What would you choose to do? So that would depend whether I want to please him or please myself because they're two different things. <laughs> okay. If you were pleasing him first, what would it be? And then if you were pleasing yourself, what would it be? So if I were pleasing him, I'd um, probably go into a, a really nice, soft, romantic setting, candlelight dinner, 
you know, good music playing, um, fine dining. That's his style. Uh, and, and I enjoy that. It's not that I don't, but that's not my first choice. That That's, you know. But if it was for me, I'd probably pack a picnic basket and go into the desert or go to the beach or um, or just watch a movie, you know, popcorn and movie and movie night. Yeah, those are, or if he's really, so he, or probably take him skydiving or, go, you know, <laughs> ziplining or something like that. Yeah, that excites me. So you're more of the ad- adventure type. He's done so much of it in his youth that now he that doesn't excite him anymore. So, but for me, I I've not done too much of that. So now I'm I'm more of the adventurous one. Yes. Ah, I get it. And in terms of travel, what's mm-hmm. on your wish list? Where would you like to go, and why? Oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, so I um, I think Fernway is is a calling for me. I I love travel, and my husband teases me about it. He says it'll take nothing to help make get you to pack your bag and get on. But I like um, I like either a spiritual holiday or an adventure holiday. I don't like a, a ladida five star holiday. That's not me. Um, so I uh, recently we went for a round square conference to Kenya, and uh, we had the most amazing amazing seven days there. Um, it was fabulous. Uh, of course, based on Kurt Hans philosophy, I mean, the Round Square itself is an amazing movement. But uh, just to have uh, 1,300 educators globally from, I don't know how many schools, 58 schools, was a fantastic experience and going out for the safaris and the adventure, etc. And the, and the service. Um, so where would I like to go? I, I, I'd love to do uh, Machu Picchu. I'd love to do um, the Sadhna Forest in Pondicherry. Um, you know, I'd love to do, um, there's just so many places, too many to count. <laughs> but yeah, either a spiritual holiday or an adventurous holiday. I'd love to ask this question. What word would your children use to describe you? So I'm going to share something, and I don't know how the viewers will view this, but my daughter often calls me a loose cannon. Ooh. <laughs> my <laughs> sons would call me that as well. They go, stop embarrassing me. That's what they do. Yeah. So I think loose cannon because I'm I'm still impulsive. And um, I think um, it's just doing the fun stuff in the moment um, and sometimes embarrassing them, yeah. So, and your son? Because your daughter would call you a loose cannon. What would your son call you? Yeah, what my son call me? My son would probably say sensitive intellectual. That's what he'd say. Mm. What's one yeah. of the most impulsive things you've ever done? Um, okay, we were courting. My husband and I were courting. And I was in Devlali and he was in Mumbai. And, you know, those days we had trunk calls. So we were on a call and uh, I was talking to him on the telephone and um, I live very close to a railway station. <laughs> so um, the train went past and I suddenly thought, oh, I want to go and meet him. And so I said to him, okay, see you later. I mean, I'm, you know, let's, let's hang up. And he said, can't you talk a little longer? And I said, no, no, I've got work to do. And I put the phone down and I took a sling bag and packed in some clothes and went to the station and caught a train and within three and a half hours uh, I was calling him from the station said come pick me up from the station I'm here in Mumbai so that's when he knew what he was up against yeah (laughs) 
I like that story, actually, because it just shows that you haven't changed. So from your young days, your, your impulsive nature till, till today, young, young teachers and leaders often ask, you know, and I don't think they all have the opportunity, like I do, to speak to someone like you with your level of wisdom. Um, they often ask what advice we would give or, you, you know, to them who are looking and aspiring to leadership. So I'm going to turn that question to you, Nargis. What advice would you give to aspiring school leaders who want to climb the ranks the way you have, being principal, now senior vice president um, of education for GEMS? What, what advice would you give? So I think um, the advice would be in two parts. The first being really know yourself well. Um, what makes you tick, what makes you angry, what makes you work harder, what motivates you. Um, and when you know yourself, you you really, that leads you to the second part of it. And that is take on every responsibility you're being given, uh, embrace it. And however hard that makes you work, however many hours that you have to put in, because every responsibility you take on, every opportunity teaches you something and makes helps you acquire a skill that you may not require in immediately but years down the line you will need it somewhere and um, so that's just two bits one is know yourself well enough so that you can give your 100 percent to what you do and the other is i think um you know just embrace every opportunity that comes your way and do it well yeah and if they are currently in role yeah let's say they're new to role and they're finding it a little bit of a challenge do you have any words of wisdom for someone like that? Um, I don't know if they're words of wisdom or just just through experience. And there certainly will be moments that are challenging. Um, I don't think there's any job in the world that doesn't come with its own set of challenges. But I think if you find your right tribe, but I go to somebody completely different when I'm stuck with something else, or I need input or advice on that. So whichever rung of the ladder you're on, um, I think it's just important for you to to find your tribe who are going to support you. Um, I say this to my team all the time. When you're upset, uh, when you're angry or you're upset or you don't know what to do, find your path. Um, I say if you're, ang- if you're upset, go to the washroom, cry, wash your face and come out and don't let anybody know you've cried, but come out stronger. Um, if you're mad at something, use your ad- anger to your advantage. Um, you know, do something about it and do it constructive. Um, find somebody who will tell you the truth. And sometimes you need to hear the truth because you've got blind spots, right? Um, and and find your tribe who will hold that mirror up to you and, and let you know. Or if you genuinely don't know what to do, upskill yourself. And don't feel ashamed to say, I need to upskill myself and find a way to do it. Yeah, no, sound advice. Sound advice. Gems Modern, what makes it special? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's 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 been it's been up there as you know is it the only cbse outstanding um icsc i icsc yes uh-huh. now we are a um an ib school right through we're pyp myp dp school ah so yes because you guys moved over yes 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 so what makes it special i think so I, I think obviously the teaching and learning is at a very rarefied level and we're really proud of that. But I think what makes the school tick is the warmth and the sense of belonging, the values. Uh, and I think we intentionally go about um, everything that we do. We do it with that lens. Um, and I think we demonstrate that 
very warmly with you you when you walk in that's the first thing people say you know the walls speak to us they welcome us everybody's with a smile everybody welcomes us um and you can't fake that lisa you can't fake that um and and that's my advice to parents when they're looking for a school you know they, sometimes they come in and they say so what kind of school what curriculum school and i said don't look for curriculum don't look for you know uh, just go and go into the school and see you know are the children comfortable with that with the teachers how do the teachers engage with each other is there tension in the air um is it a happy place to be uh, you know that's what should guide you the learning will happen yeah i i tend to i tend to i i i actually agree with you i think a lot of parents tend to look at the results look at this that which which are all important but but will your child be happy in in the space will they come home buzzing i i moved my kids um from one school to another of course because of my position i can't say with schools but now the school they're in they're happy and it might be less academic even though they do well academically but they're happier and i'm i'm more content with the fact that my kids love going to school now and they enjoy being there with the people there and when they come home they're bouncing off the walls and and that's that's something that i value more than pretty much anything else really i want healthy happy children um i really i really appreciate your time um before we before we wrap the whole the whole podcast up um i wanted to find out from you sort of your kind of crystal ball vision where do you hope that we are going as it relates to education as it relates to schools what would be your wish so i'm i'm not speaking on behalf of gems not speaking on behalf of modern i'm speaking on my behalf right yes of course putting this out there so i would love to see um a school where assessment isn't given as much important um you know not in the sense in the format in which ooh, it's high stakes right um and for children as well and i think children learn best when they're happy as you say and when they when their expectations for the children are high when their personalized pathways um without a drill and grill uh you know where they're exploring and and there's a joy in the learning and all of that is happening in our schools of course it is uh, but um i'd love to see technology being used um mindfully uh, and uh, i'd love to see more of an emotional and social connect um you know uh, among children and again values based uh, education because technology is i mean artificial intelligence is just taking over isn't it um but to have the emotional intelligence to handle all of this i think um, you know all of positive psychology all of martin seligman and all of the work that's come out of uh, upen um tells us that you know when children are happy they are learning at their best and and i don't mean happy as in as in just a giggly laughy kind of happy yeah where the well being is at the core of where they're being challenged they're flourishing they're you know enjoying what they're doing um i'd love to see children free of any kind of pressures and tensions and um because this, this is we live in a in a world that's so changing so rapidly no one has any formula formula anymore for anything 
uh, and everything is is volatile, right? Um, so something to anchor and ground the children, you know, in terms of um, knowing who they are. Uh, and I think taking us back to basics. I think I'm I'm not romanticizing this, but I think um, you know when in the good old days, and I'm talking of you know the apprenticeship model. I'm talking about the Gurukul model, uh, and and earlier on when there was joy in in learning what you're learning, um, and the freedom to explore uh, without the pressure of performance and and all of that. So, um, I've spoken as myself and the individual, not as the educator, not as the principal. And I hope that distinction is made uh, because as principal, I know. I mean, there are, of course, you know, I have to salute the UAE, uh, I think, and, uh, and this might sound controversial, but I, I think the the um, the annual inspections have actually helped schools grow over the years. Um, I know it's helped our school grow over the years um, and, and very mindfully grow the feedback that we get, etc. It's, it's great. The national agenda that's come out and, you know, we have targets that we're working towards and, and it just raises standards, uh, which is great and which is fine and which is how it should be. Uh, but I think um, looking into the future, uh, with so much of technology, the mindful use of tech and just making sure children um, are children. Yes. I like that. Thank you so much, Nargis, for being on the podcast. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You're welcome.